you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for While We're Young. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here to discuss While We're Young with you, the listener, and Christian Malsowski. My name sounds so much better when you say it. And with our While You're Young tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh... I voted for Romney, too, but only because Clint made some good points at the convention. Gary, do you have backups? You normally have a couple of them in your in your pocket. Uh, did any other taglines occur to you to help promote while you're young, while we're young? No. No? Okay, that's fine. Um, before we talk about while we, we you, who's young? Can't we we are. We're young, right, right. While we are young. Uh, before we, we talk about that, Kelly Wand, what would you think of reading us an IMDb plot synopsis? Okay, this one's another obscure one, like last week. Mm-hmm. Last That's week was, of course, Armageddon. It was? Oh, was that not? Was that the week before? I thought last week was Armageddon. Bounty hunter Jack Walsh is sent to find a return bail jumper and oh, former mafia. I know it. Oh, no, I don't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's not Fall Guy. You you know who it, you know what it is, Tom. Don't mess around. Oh no no, because you you uh, Mardukas. When you say Mardukas, it definitely stands out for me. But uh, so yeah, it's clearly this is an one for Dingus. So go ahead and finish it just for fun, because we like, you know, we like hearing you talk, Kelly Wand, and I'm sure Dingus would love hearing a midnight run plot synopsis from IMDb. Can I do a different one? Because it got guessed too easily. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Dingus, what do you think? Can we give him a mulligan or a do-over? Or can he call an audible? That's how you sports people talk. Yeah, go ahead and have him have him call a mulligan uh, because, you know, Jack Walsh, obviously, I'm going to know what that is. But right. Go ahead. Jump in with a note. Do you have a mulligan? Yeah. Also consider this the mulligan uh, catchphrase, too. Years after Tommy Jarvis chained him underwater at Camp Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. Jason Voorhees returns to the campgrounds when he accidentally is released from his prison by a teenager with psychic powers. Wait, which one could this be, though? Okay, keep going. I'll give you a hint. Yeah? It's the seventh one. Ah, what's it called? Just number seven. Oh, really? It doesn't have, like, a clever title like Jason Takes Manhattan or anything. Friday the 13th times seven. So, 21. All right. Uh, I was – why was I looking this up? For some reason, I was going down a, a Wikipedia rabbit hole reading about like the Friday – oh, because um, part of the deal where uh, – I'm going to forget the specifics, but when Interstellar was distributed by <laughs> – co-distributed by like Warner and Legendary or something like that, uh, the rights to the new rebooted Friday the 13th were part of the exchange. Um and for whatever reason, I started going down a Wikipedia rabbit hole reading about uh, Friday the 13th movies, um, and they would occasionally reference the Freddy vs. Jason project that for a long time they couldn't get off the air. Um, and as I was reading about it, I, I kept thinking, man, I wonder if they're ever going to make that. And one of the things I stumbled across, they actually did make that. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. it. had that shitty ending where he winks. Yeah, because I, I saw that on YouTube. I don't think I ever saw it, and by the time it actually came out, I, I don't think I could have cared less. Uh, yeah. it's it's so, but it's one of those things where you're reading about a movie, and you're like, oh, when is that going to come out? And it came out you know, five years ago, and you just didn't notice because you didn't care. Yeah. That's how I felt while I was watching it. I go, I'm not even going to remember this tomorrow. Yeah. Considering. Here, here's another thing I found out, Kelly Wan, and I bet this is the sort of thing you can make money off of in like a bar bet. Um Jason doesn't put on a hockey mask until the third movie. He doesn't in the second one? In the third movie. 
Yeah, in the first two movies, he's never wearing that iconic hockey mask. It took him th- two movies before he finally put it on. Third one's the first good one. Are you that's serious? The 3D one. Yeah, that's okay. the one with the Jocelyn Donahue kind of chick. And it was a 3D one. Yeah, I had a my my roommate in graduate school was in it. He was the guy who was doing a handstand and gets you know split from the crotch of the sternum while he's on on his hands. Yeah, he's really convincing. Um, but I I would have had no idea if someone had like you could you could do a, a little tricky quiz question you know uh something about uh well I wouldn't begin to know how to engineer. That's when we find out Jason hates handstands. But go on. He hates many things, yeah. But most people, I don't think, I, I don't think most people Loves know. hockey. <laughs> I don't think most people know that he didn't have on the hockey mask for two whole movies. I, I never would have remembered that. Uh, so there you go. Well, the mom's the villain in that famous scream question, and then she never, her ghost never haunts Crystal Lake. In the first movie, right? She's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Spoiler. How come she doesn't have superpowers though? Uh, you know who can who can untangle? His moms just aren't scary. Is that what the theory? Uh, what's that Faye Dunaway movie? Uh, where where she's scary? Mommy Dearest. Yeah. Yeah. Some moms are scary. But she had that like kind of short hair, like Barbara Harris kind of hair. I have no idea who Barbara Harris is, Kelly Wand. We've now Freaky left. Friday? What yeah. Freaky Friday? Oh, uh, hmm, I don't know. Um, no. That's with uh, wait. That's with Lindsay Lohan. Family plot. Doesn't mean like family plot is no, but isn't there a Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan? Mm, that's the one. Yeah, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, I never saw that one. And there's also, I believe, an, uh, a Herbie movie with Lindsay Lohan, right? With yeah, Jennifer Garner. Thirteen going on thirty. Ah, thank you. It's like big though. I don't like it where there's only one transference. You have to have like the other one, like the adult and the kid body too. Right, you have a body switch movie. Two people actually have to switch. You can't just have one person. Yeah, it's like Dwayne Johnson and Fred Savage in the Tooth Fairy. They're peeing in a fountain. Yeah, nobody switches bodies in the Tooth Fairy, Kelly Wand, and I know this because I've seen it. (laughs) Although I would love a body switch movie with Dwayne Johnson. I think he's ready for a project. Oh, who would he be against? Yeah, who would be the other guy? Dingus, anyone? Harrison Ford. Boom! (gasps) Oh my God, Dingus, you're brilliant! Wow. Dingus, I love it. Let's let's green light this. Let's let's fast track this stat. I'm liking that a lot. I see Dwayne Johnson flying a plane over a golf course. Uh too soon? Yeah. Wait, so he teaches dental hygiene, he's a wrestler. That seems like a weird fit. Who? So what are you talking about? Sounds the like a win right? sounds like a win win to me. Uh by the way, can I use Harrison Ford for this week's three by three, Dingus? Yeah. Masturbation? We're doing that two weeks in a row? <laughs> the uh, answer is yes, <laughs> Tom. Of course you can use them. Let's uh let's do uh let's talk about this movie we saw. What do you guys think of that? I like it. We Just, actually got to see we don't get to do this very often. We got to see uh we all three went to see it together. We all sat together and there was a Q and A afterwards. Um so we'll we'll you know. Uh maybe you haven't seen while we're young. We're not gonna spoil it yet. First Wait, we is, weren't in the Q&A, just to clarify. Yeah, nobody no. asked us questions, by the yeah. way. Right. Uh, thing is, without spoiling while we're young, why don't you give folks some basic information about what we saw this week? Although we did sit at the front of the theater in chairs. All right, well, this week we saw While We're Young, a 2015 American comedy drama movie mm. about what's the opposite of The World is Your Oyster. It was written and directed by Noah Baumbach, and mm. it's... Star- 
Maria yeah. Dizia, hmm. Adam right. Horowitz, <sighs> Adam Driver, Charles Grodin, Naomi Watts, and Ben Stiller. Who was the uh, first person? Or the uh, uh, who played Adam Horowitz's wife? What was that name, Dingus? Maria Dizia. Uh, Do we she know her? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in uh she was in my uh, one of our favorite episodes of Louie, the blueberry episode. <gasps> oh wow, okay. Euphemisms. Yeah, I do know who that is. She was I also think... in Martha Marcy May Marlene. But oh. uh but mainly she but the thing I know her from is the blueberry episode of Louie. I briefly wondered if she was Mickey Summers from Francis Ha, but but no. Oh. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I really, really like I like that actress a whole lot, and it, it was great. Yeah, I mean, she's lost a she she looks like she's lost weight or something. Something's different about her, but I really I really love what she does. So uh, her name is Maria Dizio. Um So anyway, she's in this, and uh, while we're young, is rated R for language. This unusual. Uh, Just language. That's it. <laughs> language. That's all. Uh, Those are my favorite ones. On Metacritic, noises. Uh, on Metacritic, while we're young, it's at 77. That's the average rating from various reviews. And on Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews that are positive, 83%. Uh, the, it has a very limited open. Again, this is just four theaters. Um, so the box office is really, you know, it, it's still pending. Uh, but it is worth noting, we talked a little bit about this uh, on our It Follows podcast. Uh, sometimes the limited opening like this... Um, you know, you look at the per screen average. This had a great limited opening. In fact, this is considering that all of Noah Baumbach's movies have opened in a limited release, you know, like four theaters or whatever, and then they eventually uh, have a wider release. Uh, that said, this is Noah Baumbach's biggest opening ever. Uh, wow, what? In that, just again, just four oh. theaters, but it made a quarter million dollars. So it was a per theater average of $60,000. All right. Which is a great number. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's huh. the best that he's ever done since all of his movies have had that same kind of limited opening. Um, uh, and, by the way, uh, It Follows is now on something like 1,300 screens. Uh, oh. It made a, a respectable $4 million this weekend. Ooh. Uh, so I, I think Radius, the distributing company, uh, made the right choice by saying, hey, let's, let's give it a, a theatrical release for a while before we – basically drain that source of revenue with a video on demand release. Yeah, I I brooked at that at first, but I think you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, by the way, they're not uh, you know, it's the Weinstein company, but they're not doing much marketing. I mean, they're they're just letting this thing ride word of mouth and the critical buzz. Um, the way the monster app does its thing in the movie. The way the way. Oh, uh it's like a slow Kelly, roll Kelly out thinks, like it. Kelly thinks there's a monster in the movie. Yeah, the, the, they, whatever's in the movie, it's, it's it doesn't get any marketing. That's true. Kelly Wand is right. That's the point there. Yeah. But they all, everyone sees the same thing. Oh, um, wait, is that a lot of money though for thirteen hundred screens, four million? Like, is that for you, this? You made it sound like level yeah, yeah. For yeah, this, this for this level movie with no actors in it, like I'm sorry, with no stars in it, like no, nobody, nobody in that movie is getting butts in the seat. Um, it, it's based strictly on word of mouth. Uh, so yeah, it's, it is. It is a great amount of money for it. It's just because it's a quality movie, and people are saying, "Hey, yeah. guys, go see this." And well, a- you got to see it at the yeah, theater. I mean, that's like really gravity. great. Four million dollars is great. Yeah, you know, it's made its money back. And um, oh, she's uh, Robert David Mitchell. Is that right, Dingus? David Robert Mitchell. I'm going to screw it up. Whatever. Okay, uh, tell you. The director's definitely going to. Uh, you know, he's he's 
for his next project, he, I mean, it's not he's not going to be able to do whatever he wants, but it's definitely going to open doors for him. You know, this guy's super talented, and it follows is going to just you know people are going to recognize that talent, and he's just going to have a lot more to work with for his next movie if he wants to. So, which won't be horror? Like he's not a horror guy. Kind of sad about that. I mean, Dingus is the only one who saw his other movie, but I he had such a good, a firm grasp on how to do horror that I you know I want him to stick with that. Yeah, but a lot of people you like, they only do one thing that's I, like I kind of hope he, I, you know, it's, this is weird, but I kind of hope he's making a, a trilogy without telling anybody. Uh, because I think the, the Myth of the American Sleepover and this, there's some connective tissue there. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I'm hoping that maybe he's written three things and he's not letting anybody know and, and he'll get a chance to make the third one. I could be wrong, but... But there's, I mean, he's got some interesting ideas that that poured over right. from one movie to the other, and I'm kind of excited about him as a director. Uh, but you know, Tom is right. I mean, he he's not he, he can't write his own ticket, but uh, but somebody's going to get him to do something else, and it might be something else completely unrelated. Yeah. So uh, Kelly Wand, let's uh, now go ahead and spoil for the listeners while we're young by giving away everything that happens in the plot. Uh, and Kelly Wan, why don't you do that for us? Uh, and and why don't you call it the while we're yopsis? <laughs> Is that close? Did I get anywhere near what you would call it? Uh, I guess. I'm trying to unravel that question though. Was the question that's what I would call it, or I shouldn't? It was just a guess on my part. That, that you're now going to read the while we're yopsis. While we're yopsis. Okay, I didn't have time to compose an opsis, but I have ah. something half as good. Okay, good. What would that be? And tell us about it. Well, I told celebrity friend of the podcast, uh, Bay Ling, what oh. I think happened in the movie. Awesome. I asked oh, her please. to write an IMDb synopsis based on what she thinks she heard me say in an email. To so her. it's like a game of telephone, kind of. Yeah, you, it's like uh, a game of telephones, George R. R. Martin. And this is the Red Wedding. <laughs> what was your question? I wasn't listening. Minor dinguses. I don't think I've had a question. We are ready to hear your uh, what Bay Ling told you. We've yeah, I haven't read it yet, so I'm not, you know. So it's fresh for all three of us. Not good. Okay, good. That'll well, be none good. of us. Yeah. Right. But as like, I don't do voices. You know, that's like a thing with me. So I'm just gonna read it as she wrote it. Okay, good, good. I like that. I like because I know Dingus feels strongly that source material is critical. Exactly. Like he, this is like a documentary in a way, and the authenticity that's going to go yeah. into this is super important. Yeah. Exactly. The format synopsis. Yeah. No, you don't. That's important. Like if Dingus fakes a tear when I say something sad, <laughs> there's nothing funny about a Dingus. All right, listen. It is because I love broadcast news. When we were young, <laughs> when we were young is what she wrote. IMDb Bay Ling. She didn't name it anything. Ben Stillman, The Night Inside Museums, reteams with Naomi Watson and Charles Croden, both of King Kong, in this heartwarming, heart-hitting story about a documentarian with new friends but still no babies. Thus, parentheses, as a result, the film's title of the movie, no closed parentheses. Period. Ben Stilson's Yash seamlessly has it all. A blonde wife, a thriller about the Holocaust he's co-starring in with an old man who pees without a microphone. 
Star Trek's Adram Divers plays a character who. Things for Ben and Nomi look up when Ben's high school class teaching PowerPoint has some unexpected students at it. Amanda Siegfried plays a young person who creates avocado cartons that only their Afghanistani magician friend prefers in the psych ward of the local zoo after Driver's Adam character learns about Facebook and decides careers in youth films can cause a stir irregardless of sequences. But when Ben offers him his father-in-law and the other old man... The girls' dance class continues while Ben, Stillman's character, and Adram ride bikes until Ben gets arrested when a truck hits him. When he is also diagnosed with arthritis, he is prescribed a hat, but his baby friend's disapproval happens. Will matters come to a head? Yes, Nomi mistakes a person's face for Adram's, and Ben stalks them to a coffee shop after one of the old men wins an award at a dinner being given for Adram's interview with a hipster, parentheses, 1960s. At the fatal press conference, Adram saves the lives of Ben, the Stillman, from a fire and each other, but the close call is averted when Nomi's father-in-law agrees nothing matters. To top things, Stillman and Waston finally make pregnant. After the ending, the movie is an internet success with the documentary failing equally. Much like Fargo, the money is returned and no couple is left unalone. A newspaper headline says, White Man Savior, featuring Gary Marshall as the irascible shaman in a dream sequence. The end? Or... I guess. Very nice. Bei Ling, we, uh, we appreciate that, that unique take on while we're young. Uh, and, and I, I can't believe an accent didn't happen. That's awesome. Well, you know, Kelly Wan doesn't do voices, so. That's a good point. You're right, Tom. You're right. Yeah. I'm a compositioner. Alright, so there is the synopsis. Now, let's get down to brass tacks. Um, you know. Who's going first? I just want to say, like based on the QA after this movie, that I think I want to declare a moratorium on people asking where ideas come from or how people write. I think it's a stupid question. Well, the only stupider one is, you know, what, how much research do you do for a role? Like when you ask yeah. the actor that. Oh, uh, yeah. right. Yeah. I even well, forgot the, that. The stupidest uh-huh. one is the guy who was moderating it who couldn't be bothered to ask an interesting question at all other than, I mean, he asked about hats. Why did you choose yeah. hats? Yeah, I mean, they had, some, he's, he, they had yeah. some doofus who writes about documentaries for LA Times, and the guy couldn't—he couldn't have been more fawning and couldn't have asked less interesting questions. Yeah, it was. Now he goes, "Well, so now that you're the guy who says you have to say the lines just the way they're written, how's that work with new act with actors?" <laughs> I think God, God you're like, gonna, wait, that's not what happens. That's not. <sighs> Well, That's let's, let's table that for a second because I do want right, to get sorry. after we talk about the movie to what what we learned if anything from the Q and A. Uh, and yeah, the guy doing it was awful. But uh, uh, all right, well you know what I'll go first because I'm our uh, I think our biggest Noah Baumbach fan. I've had two of his movies were my number ones uh, of a given year, and I've I've loved you know Greenberg came very close, but both Francis Ha and Squid and the Whale were my favorite movies of their respectable uh, respective years. Um, and I really didn't like this. And I'm, I'm kind of really disappointed in myself that I didn't like it. Uh, 
It was <laughs> like a that's a line from the movie almost. That's almost a line from the movie. It could be, yeah, definitely. Um, when it, it's it's actually the reverse of a line from the movie. Actually, when she says, um, "Yeah, yeah, he is an asshole, but it's a good movie," and I'm really, I'm really sad that I feel that way. I mean, you kind of reversed a line that she says after. Oh, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Well, was she talking about the Goonies? What movie was she talking about? No, no. She, after his speech at the table, uh, she comes out to him and she says, "He's he's he, about." Adam Driver, he, oh, right, right. asshole, but but I but it's a really good movie, and and I don't like myself for saying that. I mean, I mean she kind of says the reverse of what. You well, I don't think it's a good movie. I mean, you know what? I can't say whether or not you it's know like if neighbors. somebody uh, if somebody likes it, that's totally cool. I, I, and I don't pretend that my own preferences are any sort of objective reality. But I've seen plenty of movies that are good that I don't like. I've seen plenty of movies that are bad that I do like. But I don't think. At least by the way that I judge Noah Baumbach's movies, that this is one of his good movies. Like I, I even think a long time ago, I, I think I saw Mr. Jealousy, and I hated that. I think that's a bad movie, but uh, I, I don't think this is up there. Like I wait, that's a Baumbach movie, Mr. Jealousy one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So like, it might be his first one. Um, but at any rate, I, I think this is uh, this ultimately kind of confused and sad midlife crisis movie that also throws in this weird tangential bit about the authenticity of documentaries um, and kind of doesn't go anywhere. And the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking that I really miss Greta Gerwig. <laughs> like yeah. she, she brought so much to, first of all, Greenberg and, and tempering uh, what Ben Stiller was doing there. Like so much of Greenberg is the kind of sweet and sour between her – her sort of frankness and naivete and, and Ben Stiller's cynicism. Um, but certainly in, in Frances Ha, which she co-wrote with Noah Baumbach, I, I really feel like she brought a lot to that. And I just – this just felt like some some aging fellow dealing with a midlife crisis and trying to make a movie about it. And it just kind of, kind of felt sad and morose to me, and I didn't – I ended up just not really clicking with it at all. So that's me. Uh, who's going to go next? Uh, I think I liked it less than Greenberg because he seemed more like a generic, like a more of a normal Ben Stiller character than Greenberg was. Like Greenberg yeah. was kind of like not supposed to be likable, and this is kind of like well, the Greenberg has come out of you know he's come out of uh, being in a mental hospital. Like he's a guy yeah. dealing with you know he's in the aftermath of a, apparently some kind of breakdown that we weren't privy to as the audience. So yeah, yeah so there's definitely but this is yeah, right. Well, there's like darkness right from the beginning of Greenberg, and it's just like an interesting flavor. And in this, I thought I was really enjoying. It was a. Re- it seems like it's a really funny movie, and I was really enjoying the characters. And I think I was disappointed where it went, kind of like when it. I was starting to, when I was having being asked to take the documentary stuff as like the foreground, and it and there was a lot of like soapboxing at the end that I wasn't expecting. It, sorry about the microphone, but like Adam Driver's character. Like, is he, it's kind of like Neighbors, where I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about the villain of the piece. Like, it seems like he's, I don't know. Like, so, are we supposed to care about his arc more than Ben Stiller's? I mean, Neighbors, the, the Dan Aykroyd, Jim Belushi thing? No, the Seth Rogen, oh, Zach that, Front movie. Right, right. Oh my well, god. It's another what? midlife crisis. There's, except they do have a baby, but it's like, they start hanging out with young people, right. but they get along, but they also sort of don't. It's like a... It's like a comical war or two at the same time. 
I don't know. No, I forgot about that angle of that movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. Well, Dave Franco is in both, isn't he? He's not in this, is he? In both what? Greenberg and Neighbors. Who is he in Greenberg? One of the guys at the party? Yeah. Uh, he's the he's one of the he's the guy like dumping out the cocaine. Isn't isn't he? In Greenberg? I don't remember. I, don't remember he might, that. I mean he might be. I think he is because I just watched I think that's Oh yeah, you know what? I think yeah. Yeah, no, I do can't remember him. He doesn't see he's just in that one scene at the end though, right? Just kind of spacey. He's just in the party scene. Um Anyway, but I liked, I liked the movie more than Tom did. Like I thought there were a lot of funny lines in it, and it's uh, good real quick. And I like how, the acting too. In the context of, of Noah Baumbach's other movies, how much did you like it? And, and what it's a minor Baumbach, but a okay. minor Baumbach's better than most shit. Like, sure, is better than The Gunman. It's better than Chappie. Like my bar is a lot. A lot like you, I don't know what happened with you and Interstellar. That's sort of an aberration. That's like an event horizon, but. Like, other than that, like, this and the following are the only, or, the following, fuck me. It follows, like, the only two movies I've liked since the year started, like, that had anything remotely interesting in well, them to me. To be clear, Kelly, one, I want to say, yeah, this is definitely better than crap like The Gunman and Chappie, which I have yeah, Chappie. Yeah, you can't grade it on a curve. What the but heck? what I'm saying is, for me, why and why I'm disappointed I didn't like it is, and, and it's definitely, I agree with you, by the way, some of the early parts were hilarious, and there was some good stuff going on, but as a Noah Baumbach movie, I just was really, really disappointed in it. And ultimately didn't like it, but but yeah, I'm definitely not trying to imply that, you know, I would rather watch this thing three or four times over than have to sit through the gunman again. Absolutely, right. yeah. But I still, I, I don't think I liked it and was disappointed by it. Uh, Dingus, get in here. You're. Uh, um, yeah. I would I would put this uh, in this in the sort of the same way I felt about, and this was another Q and A that we sat through. Um, the way I felt about watching the uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Um, which I felt like that was Wes Anderson kind of retreading what he was already doing. And this movie begins with this weird, and, and it's kind of funny the way it sustains itself, this Hen, this Henrik Ibsen master builder, like, quote, 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 and it just keeps going, and that's kind of funny. Uh, and then it ends with open the door. Um, and what I, what I thought when I was, because I had already watched most of Greenberg before that is that, and this is something that you highlighted, Tom, and that I, I I really didn't think about Greenberg until I watched it a couple of more times, is the Frances Ha, uh, are you going to let me in as she's driving thing? Are you going to let me in? Are you going to let me in? And then the, and this movie opens with open the door. And, and I think that this movie is kind of treading on the same ground, but it's not as, it's not as, is, um, Poignant. Uh, this movie, I think, relies much more on uh, one-liners, and then it goes into this weird uh, thriller territory for a few minutes, and then it ends up in. It, it, I, I, for me, it feels like light, late Woody Allen, and ending up at Judd, Judd Apatow, and yeah. it doesn't feel like Noah Baumbach is really doing anything. But I mean, the first part, first, I don't know, thirty minutes or so is hilarious. But then it just goes off into some other territory, and I got really disappointed. I really don't like this movie, I'm, and I feel bad about that. I mean, I really, I really wanted to like it. I didn't like it as we got into it, as as it sort of lost its pace and went off the rails, went into this weird thriller territory, and then ended up in this stupid baby cell phone gag. Um, and then the Q and A 
did nothing to salvage for it, it for me either. And I and that's not fair, but I, I really didn't like this movie at all. And uh, and I love his movies, so I would put this at the bottom of anything of his I've seen. I really, I mean, as much as I love all of the actors in it, it feels like they're doing pale imitations of themselves. Some of it did feel like character too, like just a little bit too wacky for my tastes, and going for the obvious laughs, like the yeah. the, the, sh- the shaman scene. Plus, um, personal. Oh, Jesus, that shaman shit. I was like, what? That's. What? I mean, it, that really did seem like a, a funny. I mean, that's what Kelly won. That really did seem like something you'd see in a Judd Apatow movie. I mean, that's a perfect yeah. observation of that. Is it felt like he was just going for the obvious jokes? Um, well, the barfing in a bucket for a whole sequence. I mean. Woody Allen did that sort of like I'm gonna sneeze in a in a bag of cocaine and that's it that's the joke that's the gag we're moving on fine but for this movie it's we're gonna sustain this for an entire sequence for what felt like 20 minutes I mean I don't want to watch people barf in buckets I mean honestly can you not be more understanding of the fact that I don't want to watch people barf in buckets well that's what I mean it, it was almost like not quite that bad but it was almost like this Fairly Brothers like gross out humor like, yeah 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 yeah. and I don't think that's what Baumbach should be doing like most of his humor is just really dead on observations stuff that yeah. uh, is like painfully funny because it's so true and that there's so much of that in Francis Hogg Greenberg Squid and the Whale um, and and you know he, he wants to have a scene where there, you know with this gross out vomiting at that shaman scene, I just I was like, mm. yeah. That's Even, the last scene I think I liked, though. Um, and again, it's not you know I I would rather watch that scene than uh, the gunman again. But but it, it just really well, yeah, but seems I, like it's beneath. Uh, I, no, I agree like, with why you. Why is he doing that? that? Yeah. yeah, but I'm not going to grade this movie on a curve. I'm I'm grading it on watching it, and I don't want to watch that shit. And I don't think it's. I don't think it's well done, and, and there's a lot of one-liners in it that are funny. The the whole first part is is funny, and it seems embedded in character. But then as you go on, you realize he's just writing one-liners, yeah. and they're funny. That's, he's he's funny. He's talented as as a guy who can write those things. But well, that, come on, he can do so much. Oh my god! No, I'm he really disappointed scene. in this movie. I'm so disappointed. He needs it to justify Naomi Watts kissing the Adam Driver character. Well, that, Kelly Wand, I'm glad you mentioned it, because that should have been the the substance of that scene, and that should have been a significant event, and, you know, how do they feel about that happening? Uh, Did he set that up? Because he acts later, and he's supposed to be this big mastermind, but obviously he couldn't have set that up. But the line where she says, you taste different, I mean, that's a great line, and that can be the – that can go into something – again, really launch into a great scene or a great relationship. But instead, it's only it's like all the vomiting was just for that one thing, and then that winds up being, you know, what I'm saying that's like a, it's more it's more misappropriated weight. Like well, it's not just a gross out scene; it's so that to get her drugged enough to have a lapse. It's, <laughs> it is like an Apatow movie, and that, there was that Apatow trailer right before it. Well, an Apatow movie isn't necessarily a pejorative because he's made no, some movies I really, but really like. I don't like. want my bound back. I don't like the mixture. But I, but I think what what, like, what Bombach like, was was trying to ape was Woody Allen, and then bleeding over into Apatow and not doing just a you no. Know, he can do his own movie. He doesn't have to do those guys' movies. I mean, it felt like late Woody Allen, but lighter, like Manhattan Murder Mystery, which I liked. Yeah. 
but when it goes off into thriller territory, which he references in his Q and A in sort of an apologetic way, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he he leaves the the meat of what he's going for, and then just runs off into a caper. It's weird. It's so weird. It's like the guy looks like the dude that Woody Allen's making a documentary of in Crimes and Misdemeanors. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing. The guy who goes out it's the like, window. I mean, yeah. that's the dude. I mean, that's yeah. what he's doing here. He's yeah, it's a Baalbeck photo. Stuff. Yeah. And that's, that, too, felt to me just like a caricature. I mean, all of that stuff about how boring the guy was. and Oh, and, the, the, and this guy was hilarious, but again, a caricature. The Egypt fellow, I don't know who that was, that Ben Stiller has an interview with. To try I to love that scene, it. though. I love that scene, again. That guy's great. But it, it really did feel like something from uh, from a different movie or a different kind of writer. Yeah. You know, why is Bombback doing that? Um, you know, it reminded me in a way of the, the awesome bit with uh, with Nicolas Cage and uh, – it's not Kyle Chandler. Who's the guy in Adaptation who plays his agent? Sorry about the cut reception. Okay. Is it Ron Livingston? Scott Kahn? What? Right, right, yeah, you're right. right. Did it yeah. Who plays the – see that girl? I fucked her in the ass. Uh, no, I didn't. Like, like that it, when he's doing the whole thing about it, this is whiskey. No, it's apple. Yeah, oh, I, uh, you know, it's a, it's a funny scene, but why is it in this movie? And uh, uh, so, I'll take the same, this but the same thing with all the, the bits about the documentary and how the guy was obtuse and boring and didn't have any charm, and that just felt so de- belabored to the point of it being caricature. Um, and then they're goofing around at the time, and he's got a bandaid on his head at another time, and there's a mustache, and ha ha, right. It's just, well, and he's, yeah, like, it's gags and one-liners. Making that movie, he's an idiot. Like he rats, Like we shouldn't have much sympathy for him. And that's kind of why I think it's a pretty sad midlife crisis movie. Right, is yeah. that this guy is not but, really. I'm not really sympathizing with him. Like he's not like Paul Giamatti in Sideways, where he's sad and pathetic, but you, your heart kind of breaks for him. Um, he's got Amy Watts. But what's the, he bitching about? The stakes are are greater here because. What their their crisis as as going through a midlife crisis is: Are we going to have a baby or not? Uh, and that's those are huge stakes. And everybody is, around them is saying, "You guys would make great parents." We all know, no, you won't. And then at the end, they decide to do it. And we all know, you're going to be terrible parents. Stop it. And 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 so at the very end, I'm kind of thinking: Are has Noah Obama just been playing a joke on us all? They're going to be terrible parents. Well, uh, everybody knows that. They're they're selfish people. They're totally self centered. Yeah, and, and and they're sitting there watching a baby on a cell phone, and they and they're disgusted. I mean, well, I'm like worried. I'm you know, it, it really did want to be a happily ever after thing where they they, right. they redeem themselves by discovering. I'm willing to give the movie the benefit of the doubt for that. I don't know if like I remember during the Greenberg conversation. Uh, I kind of wanted to bring into it, and I think you guys disagreed with this, which is fair enough, this idea that Greta Gerwig was setting herself up to be Laura Linney and Squid and the Whale by hooking up with, with uh, Ben Stiller. This idea that after Greenberg, you know, Greenberg is like an origin story mm. for the parents in Squid and the Whale, and it's a little unfair to bring that onto it um, when it's trying to have a hopeful ending. Uh, so I kind of feel the same way. I kind of feel the same way here, Dingus, is I think it's supposed to be a hopeful ending. I mean, I agree. They're... they're I think they would be terrible parents, and and I kind of think they're both douchebags. But right, uh, I, I think the movie is supposed to be a happy ending. Like they're supposed to be redeemed douchebags by the time it's over. Um, but then the the last thing is is a is a gag. 
Oh, well, baby, the cell phone was adorable. I don't know what your deal is with that dingus. It's them looking disgusted at a baby. I mean, they're uh, not going to be horrible they just, parents. They're going to be horrible. No, it's they're, not the... they're totally selfish and self-absorbed, and they should never have kids. And they were right to think that all along. And they're idiot friends. I mean, the funniest thing, and what Noah Baumbach should have stuck with, is these is these privileged people who are saying, you know, we have babies and we think this is a symbol of our privilege as having babies, and you should do this too because this will be a symbol of your privilege. You'll be great parents. They have no idea what that means. And these people will be terrible parents. We all know this. The adoption agency, I'm sure, screened them very carefully, made sure they knew what they were doing. (laughs) You know, come on. There's there's an infrastructure in place here. You can't just go to Haiti and get a baby if you're not qualified. That's a good point, actually. Well, Uh, I was more taken with what was going on. Well, you know. Obviously, by the time it's over, we're supposed to think that Adam Driver is a treacherous a-hole, uh, you know. <laughs> but but there was there was a lot of so early on. There's a scene. There, there's a montage that juxtaposes. Here's what middle-aged people do. Here's what the young hip people do. And the young hip people are you know watching VHS tapes and they're playing uh, vinyl you know phonographs. Uh, they're playing Risk at a, at, a, at a table, whereas the middle-aged people are using, you know, their DVRs on a cable channel, yeah. and they're playing a match three computer game, and they're listening to music on their iPods. Um, what was the point of that justification? Like that, that young people are really hip and in touch with analog entertainment, and old people. No, it's not young people. It's hipsters. They're making fun of hipsters. But then we're supposed that's to. That's difference between young people. But the baby is so, a tech. Head, well, was yeah. that though making fun of them, Dingus? Or I, I thought what yeah. I got from it is that it was trying to kind of say, you know, these young people aren't aren't swayed by the the lure of electronics and convenience and luxury items and the, and the uh, cutting edge technology. But he films. The, he's like, but he's a documentarian. Like he's a YouTube guy too. So it is a muddled. Well, but that's why it's like, why are we having this montage? Right. That shows them doing all yeah. this. And I, I, think, I, was, and also, I think the idea is that it's just as facile as anything they're doing. If, if you're gonna be fucking around with those types of things, and we're fucking around with direct TV, uh, and, and we're not really consuming it. Okay. I mean, I think it's just about. We're both dumb in different ways, kind of thing. I think, kind of. Like not, it's not smart versus dumb or complex versus. Did you simple. did you get a different take from that, Tom? Well, it was early on. It was early enough that we're we're at the part of the movie where we're supposed to think that Amanda uh, Seyfried yeah, yeah. and, and Adam Driver are are a really cool, you know, noble influence, and you know they're they're going to enrich the lives of Naomi Watts and Ben Stiller, and they show us this montage, um, and they seem more genuine. Right, 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 exactly. This idea that because they're doing all these analog things like playing Risk rather than oh, okay. playing Bedazzle, Bejeweled, or whatever, that they are more genuine. Um, right. And, and I, you know, I don't. I, it just I was confused by that as the movie unfolded, and we find out that they are less genuine and they are more duplicitous. And right, uh, or it just he is. That's the thing. It's like it's a very specific scenario. So just, Not every young just, person just Adam be... Driver. You mean right, right, right. So it's very. It, that's what's. That's why it's muddled. It's like. He's a very specific type of person that I think exists in every generation, like Ben Stiller. And, uh, right. right. And so that's not like it. I don't think that's like a, a trait just of the new generation. But like to me, another scene that rang false was like, wait, what? Is like when they go to the their friend's place and they're having that huge party right. that they weren't invited to. Right. 
like now they're having fun. Like the party seems kind of swinging and yeah. everyone looks like they're dr- like, that's what the kids would be doing, too. So now it's like and, and then they have that fight in the doorway. And that, again, seemed like something out of a different kind of a movie. Right. And then all like, the, the, who's the, right? the happy young couples are coming through the door while they're talking. And yeah, it really did seem like something out of a It's also party. arbitrary. Yeah, you're like, right. What are they even fighting you're about? Absolutely they right. would just let him in and go, hey, this is crazy. You guys came. Awesome. Like, that's how it would right. really It doesn't seem like it's from another movie. It seems like it's from, yeah. it's from a sitcom. You're right, Tom. Well, let's let's say some of the things that we did. So the early parts, I think Wait. we were. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Nick. Before you, before you do that, can I ask a quick question about Adam Driver? Sure, let's talk about Adam Driver. Who I really, really like, but but I'm starting to wonder how much longer is the Adam Driver shtick going to work for us? We have at least through Star Wars, Dingus. Okay, but <laughs> I see what you're saying. Maybe three Star Wars, this, Dingus. I, I really like that guy, and just I just gravitate toward him. But if he's just going to keep doing this thing, I mean, <laughs> he's only I don't know. I don't know what else. No, no. I mean, he was in you know the uh, that Coen Brothers movie that I didn't like, but you did, Kelly. Yeah. Side Lewin Davis. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Tom. Um, but he's barely. He, he, he does a specific thing, and that's fine. Uh, how much? I mean, is this going to just keep sustaining him? Or is he going to do something else? I mean, well, it's kind I of, think you know, the part's in a certain way. Yeah, it's like what's written for him. What's, that's why, I, you know, I'm really excited <laughs> to see him be in a big blockbuster science fiction movie rather than some indie hipster kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I wonder, too, Ding. It's like, he, you know, his his adorable little part in that Lincoln movie with um, – Oh, yeah, yeah, good. You know, people – I mean, he's a great act. He's a really good actor, and he's he's got so much screen presence. It's just, you know, yeah, yeah. how are people going to use it? And hopefully it's not going to continue to be this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I don't sorry. Think I, I just wanted to ask because because uh, it felt like you know I I loved him and he's so good at so many of the things that he's doing here and he provides so many of the moments that I actually like about this movie but I kind of wonder like how much water is left in the pool. <laughs> well, let's let's get into some of those. Like, what were some of the things you liked about what he was doing? So obviously, you start off, you think he's a he's a great guy and he's going to creatively inspire this couple and he becomes this duplicitous asshole. Uh, so in the course of that arc, Dingus, what, what kind of things did you like with Adam Driver? What I like about him is that um, he, he's the perfect villain, if you want to call him a villain, is that in that he believes he's the hero. And that's that's the perfect villain. The villain who believes he's the hero is the perfect villain. And, and he believes he's doing everything right, but he is going to be duplicitous at every turn. It, and that doesn't matter because he believes that he is the person who is is – Carrying forward. You, do you disagree? No, I'm so glad you put it that way because it does highlight for me why I kind of liked that uh, – even though that was, there was that weird, confused – you know, they have the showdown with Ben Stiller and Adam Driver, and it's intercut with Charles Grodin saying things about the importance of authenticity in a documentary. In a documentary. And I don't quite – I'm not clear on why all that was yeah. intercut when all that documentary stuff kind of gets shoved out the, 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 the window in the next scene. Yeah. But I did like – his reaction, uh, you know, when he was having to confess, like he really did believe, look, I didn't do anything that bad. Here's what I did. Um, you know, it wasn't a traditional come up at scene where right. he's revealed to be the bad guy and Ben Stiller wins. Like he was like, OK, yeah, I did these things, but it's to make this good movie that I made. And um, so, yeah, that, that's the, the way that you put it, Dingus, is he doesn't he doesn't think he's a villain. Um, and I, I, I did that. like that. I, like, I did, too. I did, too. Yeah, yeah I definitely did. 
I was a was little. Yeah. I'm not sure I bought like some of the weird little physical affectations he was doing. Some of those. Oh, the the like, namaste, like I'm praying thing. Yeah, well, he would do weird things with his head, and like he was just doing weird little affectations, and I'm right, not right. sure what those were. And well, we're supposed to be, believe that they're all affectations designed, like it's all part of his pose. But that felt like a, like a lot of actor, like actor, actor, actor stuff. Yeah, and maybe that's just what other stuff he stole. Yeah. Um. But it's like documentary authenticity, a thing that. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a- no, but, like, everybody fakes everything, and it um, just seems quaint that Ben Stiller would even feel... I don't, I don't think everybody fakes any- everything. I mean, I really do think that there's... Uh, and that's why... So, I... I you know, go ahead. Well, just remember, okay, the douchiest example of, like, what I could think of the Adam Driver character supposed to be is, like, the catfish fuckwads. Right. What about them? With the... Just so like they, they, weren't, they weren't making a documentary, though. They kind of were. They thought they were. Wasn't that movie sold to us as a documentary? It was sold, but it was not made as a documentary. Catfish is not a documentary. Catfish is a is a, a, it's a construct. It's a, it's a movie. It's not a documentary. It's a movie. But there's that thing at the end where he's like trying to get her to cry and all that shit. Like that's kind of the same thing Adam Driver's character is supposed to be doing, isn't it? Like we're supposed to be moved. Uh, as far as actual documentaries, I'm pretty sure that there are people who would refuse to, to stage scenes. Um, I, I don't know, and I don't follow documentaries close enough, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who would bristle at, at you saying that it, people fake things in documentaries all the time. Uh, I'm sure some people <laughs> yeah, do. I think some people might take umbrage at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that actually, so there was Q and A afterwards that, as you. You know, we've all said we were kind of disappointed in, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask um, Noah Baumbach is, you know, you, you seem to really – this movie really did want to talk about the issue of documentaries and, and the, the difference between authenticity and staging things and what makes for a good movie. Uh, you know, what's your opinion on the state of documentaries today? And I specifically was curious what he thought of that um, – is it Andrew Jarecki who did the jinx on HBO? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and what he thought of that, and the fallout with what's happened with Robert Durst since then. You know, I, I wanted to hear him talk about that because I thought, oh, obviously Noah Baumbach cares about documentaries. Topical. Let's hear what he has to say about that. But the guy immediately, you know, someone else asked the question about documentaries, and Noah Baumbach's response was, "I don't really, you know, it was just a backdrop for the movie. Uh, I just needed something that was a visual medium." And he even said it was kind of a MacGuffin. So right. I, at that point, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to ask you if you don't care enough about documentaries. I, for, I forgot that. And That's how it comes awesome. across. I, I love that you said that, Tom, because um, because as the rounds of questions went on, I would see your hand go up, your hand go up, your hand go up. And after that question, your hand didn't go up anymore. Yeah. And I, I, and I was like, why isn't Tom's hand going up anymore? And now I understand. Yeah, and and so that that too, that's you, you know, I, I do think that that's an important question, Kelly Wand. You know, the issue of of making a documentary and authenticity, and you know, is it okay to just have a documentary to try to like skew people's opinions to basically make an apology like Michael Moore does? Um, right. But I don't. I don't think the movie ultimately cares. No. Yeah. But also, too, it's like the documentary he's making is so such a piffle too. Like it's just about one dude that he supposedly found on Facebook. Like it's such a like the rigging's more convoluted than even with the. Oh, for Adam Drivers, you mean? Yeah. Well, ultimately, no. It's about a massacre in Afghanistan, right? Isn't that the idea? And they're going to have to go to Afghanistan and shoot more. Uh, I don't think it's a piffle. I think the idea is 
he wants to set up this big project, and he lures in uh, Ben Stiller to get to Ben Stiller's father-in-law, Charles Grodin, to, to get funding and, and help for this, right? That's convoluted to me. Like if it's all that's the plot. That is the plot yeah. of the movie, I think. But if that makes sense, I, I don't think bag. I don't think ultimately this movie cares any more about documentaries than Spanglish cares about being a chef. I mean, honestly, <laughs> right, right. He's the and, best chef in America. And Noah Baumbach said as much. Like he just needed a, an occupation that had some visual aspect to it, and yeah. Uh, and it, it kind of pisses me off that. We care this much. Even you, Tom, who doesn't believe documentaries or movies. Um, well, they're not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, the, but some weighty things are handled in this, and, and I love documentaries, and, and, and it kind of pisses me off that it's given such. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I, I think too of, and it does remind me a lot of the, the great little subplot in Crimes and Misdemeanors that Kelly referenced before, where the, the difference between Woody Allen's character and. Uh, uh, Alan Alda. Alan Alda's character, yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But documentaries are not like... I don't know. They're not like what? Well, it's not like a generational thing. Like, Adam Driver's gonna... He's the young Turk who... He's yeah. gonna make document, documentaries. Uh, I, I think cool the movie again. is... I think it is trying to make a facile point about the difference between documentaries four and a half. I mean, this this idea. Is, like, if, well, if, if everything mean, if everything is filmed, then what's a documentary? I mean, it tries to do oh, that right, later. Right. Yeah. But why? It seems like a we. I don't know. No, I don't care it, about but, that in relation to this. Everything is reality television. What's a documentary? Um, and yeah, so but, the idea that he spent ten years because editing, writing. I mean, I remember the first time I saw the idea that uh, wait, there's a screenplay for a documentary. Why would there be a screenplay? How is that even possible? But docu- a documentary has to be shaped and edited, and instead of like just holding a camera at somebody who's going to pee at urinal or something, I mean that's not a documentary. There, it 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 is a movie. Whatever Tom says about it not being a movie is you know kind of his joke, but you shape it as a movie and you write it as a movie and you show it to us to give us an idea of what it is. And I think that's what Ben Stiller's character is trying to do. Right. I just don't think this movie ever executes that idea. No. And he, but he's supposed to be like, even Charles Grimm was, Oh, you made that one great documentary, but Adam driver never, Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 forgets yeah, yeah. that he didn't see it. And it was, Oh yeah, that thing. But it's like, okay, so you went all, you set all these Machiavellian schemes in place to get this guy whose movie you didn't even see that you want. To scam. I'm, to I'm so glad you brought that up, Kelly, because Charles Grodin's character talks about how generous that was. He, right. What he, what, the thing he says about it is that your first movie was so generous. Mm. And, and, and at that moment, and I remember writing this in my notes, it's like, is this movie about generosity? Because it's about him sharing credit. It's about him having to uh, like work with other people and collaborate. And and Charles Grodin then, who, god damn, I'm so happy to see Charles Grodin again in something I like. I, I mean, I just like seeing him work again. Uh, but but seeing him say that, that thing about your first one is so generous, and your other one felt like you took your ball and went home. And I love that idea about generosity. Uh about a documentary that this guy does as something being generous. And that now he's less mature, and that's why he can't well, see Well, he, he just can't, he can't pull the trigger again. But that, the idea of that first one, you, you, what you did was so generous. I mean, I love that. I love that Noah Baumbach as a writer uses that word. Your first, your first movie was so generous. 
I mean, what a great word. It's, it's, it's a filmmaker giving something to us. I mean, I love that. Yeah. Well, we have to take his word for it since we don't see the actual. That'll probably be on the DVD. Yeah. The Blu-ray release. Uh, let's do some over-unders. Kelly Wand, what are your over and under, and why did you, uh, yeah, tell us about your over and under for, uh, while we're young. Uh, I don't think I did mine yet. Come back to me. <laughs> All right, we'll come back around. Dingus, are you ready with your over under, or do you want me to go first? Uh, I will definitely go with my over, and that would definitely be Greenberg. I think that, uh, I think that Greenberg, man, watching Greenberg again was such a pleasurable experience. I mean, I mean, oh my god, um, it's not just the Greta Gerwig thing. It's it's everything that Ben Stiller is doing. It's it's everything that that they're talking about as far as whatever you're whatever you're going to talk about this this guy with this men, these mental problems who's going through some kind of a midlife crisis and trying to cobble his life together. Uh, Greenberg, I cannot recommend that movie highly enough. And I I don't know I don't know that I liked it. As much as I liked it the first time, I don't know that I liked it as much. Having watched it now, I think maybe the third or fourth time. Um, my God, it, it it is such a beautiful movie. So yeah, Green Brew would definitely be my over. So what's your criteria though for bracketing it? Because you no know, back movies, or what? What do you? Why are you comparing it to um, while we're young? Uh, the reason I'm bracketing it, it it's not just uh, Noah Baumbach movies. It's also Ben Stiller and what Ben Stiller's doing as far as an actor is concerned. Because okay. I think I think the performance that he's doing in Greenberg uh, is so important to how do I say this? It's so important how little he does in Greenberg, and um, as much as I thought he was funny in this movie. He just he has to go off the rails. He's just it I I don't feel like he's um I don't feel like there's a, as much an emotional investment. I and I know that's kind of an unfair thing to say, but I just I just believe that character more than I believe this character. So what if I'm talking about and and I don't I know I understand what you're saying about your idea of bracketing, but I don't necessarily do that. What I'm doing is what reminds me of what, and uh, and so I would over Greenberg. Okay, and then that said, what would be your under be? And, uh, I don't. Heartbreak Kid. No, I wouldn't put Heartbreak Kid. I don't have. A, I don't know what I would put under. I I I, I forgot that we were going to do this. I apologize, but I knew what the over was. That was all right. Well, you can borrow Kelly's when we come around to him. I'll go. So I actually have an under over, and what I did was I tried to bracket closely to while we're young, uh, a movie that I liked better and a movie that I didn't like as much. Uh, and for me, uh, while we're young, a lot of it is about the um, a, a midlife crisis triggered by people trying to connect with younger people. Um, and for the under, uh, there was a Lynn Shelton movie. It's actually her last movie that she did uh, called Laggies, uh, in which Kira Knightley uh, plays a, a woman who freaks out um, when her boyfriend proposes to her. She's you know, not ready to uh, settle down and commit to him. She still has a very young, restless spirit about her. So uh, she freaks out and she, she runs away. And she meets some kids at a liquor store who ask her to buy them uh, beer. 
and she ends up hanging out with these kids and, and rediscovering her own youthful spirit. Uh, one of the kids is played by Chloe Grace Moritz. Um, and she ends up, while you know, having run away from her, her life with her boyfriend and not wanting to make a decision about being married and, and being grown up, uh, she, she stays with Chloe Grace Moritz in her house. Um, and it turns out that Chloe Grace Moritz's dad is Sam Rockwell. And he's like, hey, why is this older woman in the house, you know, having a sleepover with my daughter? And and sure enough, uh, Kira Knightley and Sam Rockwell fall in love and yada, yada, yada. Um, Laggy's is terrible. Um, it is so awful. And uh, it is just, it's just really facile stuff. And there's some great stuff that Sam Rockwell does. But as far as a movie about someone trying to connect with younger people and discovering herself in the process – uh, way worse than while we're young, I thought. Um, and again, so you know, I, you know, Lynn Shelton, a bad Lynn Shelton movie is better than most good movies, than a lot of good movies. So I don't necessarily, you know, I don't hate it as much as I do other movies, but I didn't care for it at all. So I would put that under while we're young, over while we're young. Um, and again, I'm not just like picking a movie that's like way better. I kind of want to get close to the level of Greenberg, but better than Greenberg. Uh, there's a movie directed and written by Jill Soloway, who most people now know from an Amazon series called Transparent. Um, and the movie's called Afternoon Delight, and it features the fantastic Catherine Hahn, uh, who's normally a comedic actress. Oh, I love her. She's so awesome. Yeah. And she's so good in Afternoon Delight. Uh, and she. And in Parks and Rec, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Yeah, and people would know her from various comedies and stuff. Uh, she's great in Parks and Rec. But in Afternoon Delight. She plays this uptight mom who uh, basically befriends a young stripper, and uh, played by Juno Temple. Uh, and in the process of befriending this younger woman, uh, goes through her own midlife crisis and discovers herself. Um, but what's great about Afternoon Delight, uh, you know, the age difference isn't played up so much. There's not this inherent idea that ah, older and younger people will never understand each other, and it's wacky. Uh, they instead play up the fact that they both come from different backgrounds and therefore they're, they're, they've developed as entirely different people. Um, so uh, I really liked Afternoon Delight as far as a story about a midlife crisis triggered by trying to connect with younger people. Um, and by the way, another thing I love about Afternoon Delight, uh, it resists this typical Hollywood temptation to, to lionize a sexually liberated woman as inherently superior to the uptight mom. Like they don't make Juno Temple this preternaturally wise uh, influence on on Catherine Hahn. Um, I love where that movie goes. It's kind of unexpected. Uh, so there's my over under. Uh, Kelly Wan, have you thought of one for while we're young and over and under? Yeah, my over is flirting with disaster. Ah, because it's like uh, Ben Stiller working through a marriage thing mm-hmm. by getting involved with someone like Tia Leone. Who, is that uh, who directed Flirting with Disaster? I feel like I David should. David Russell. Oh, right, right. That, David Russell. Because this kind of reminded me of a David Russell movie. Except Flirting with Disaster kind of stays about that all the way through. And okay. this becomes about documentaries. And then my under was a flashback with Keith Sutherland and uh, Dennis Hopper. What does that. How, how do you bracket. Why are you bracketing that with. Uh, why are you. Comp- it's just not as good. Huh. All right, uh, Dingus, do you have an over for us? Or no, I'm sorry, do you have an under for us? What's something yeah. that's not as good as uh, quality? <laughs> My under, and, and this, as you were talking about um, 
the the midlife crisis thing as you were talking just now. Um, I would put men, women, and children under. Uh, and this all is of a, them? all of them. I would put all men, women, and children. What is under. men, women, and children? I don't even think I know what that is. Men, women, and children is uh, Jason Reitman's movie from last year. Oh uh, right, right, yeah. I remember you saying so. Go ahead, yeah. I'm and right. it's this weird uh, multi-layered. The part of it is a midlife crisis movie, and part of it is just an internet. We're all texting and we're all online all the time movie. Um, and I would put it under part. Part of it is that you talking about that, and then me thinking about talking about Adam Sandler in um, that cooking movie that I referenced. Uh, so I would put men, women, and children under that because I, I think that the character is so poorly drawn. Jennifer Garland is. Jennifer Garner is so poorly used, and there, there's so many good actors in it, especially like a couple of people that we really like. Caitlin Deaver, this guy Ansel Elgort, who was in, um, geez, what movie? Uh, Fault in Our Stars, I think it was the movie I really liked him in. Um, uh, but Men, Women, and Children just does this terrible stuff with internet, internet like hookups and. And trying to deal with adults and their midlife crises, um, that I would put that slightly under while we're young. Okay. Because I mean, there. To be to be fair, the the first hour or so while we're young, I was laughing my head off, uh, and happily so. Uh, so. There's some great. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, yeah. And, this was kind of a throwaway line, but there's a brilliant line uh, n- near the end of while we're young, where. Uh, Adam Driver is coaching Ben Stiller through the the interview he's about to have with the producer guy, uh, and he says, um, "Just be yourself. Everyone else is taken." I love that line. That's brilliant. See, that's good advice. He's not. Uh, I also like, and and it's you know, Amanda Seyfried doesn't have a lot to do in this, but it, at one moment she walks into a room and she says, "I feel like there are people who don't drop things as much as I do." Right. <laughs> I like that little line. And there's a lot of little exchanges in this movie that really work nicely. And I, I don't think there's anything in Men, Women, and Children that that, are, that it's remotely uh, connected to that. I think Noah Baumbach and Jason Reitman are just working right. – are playing at different basketball courts. Kelly Wan, did you learn anything about relationships from while we're young? Uh, the dogs were on the garbage when we got there. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one eighty degrees, and I'm caught in between, counting one, two, three, Peter Pan, and I'm free, getting down, uh, I, I also want to say that Maria Dizia was also in Margin Call. Who? Uh, no, I think I think Demi Moore was the only woman in Margin Call, I guess. Uh, that's a good point. Who was she in that? She was just like an assistant. Okay. She shows up and she says some really cool line. I just I remember her face in it. I love that. I love that actor. Amanda Seyfried right. still looks nineteen. It's weird. She like looks the younger whole, than the way they call each other Fox. Bye Fox. Bye Fox. Do you remember what they call uh, what um, Laura Linney calls her sons in Squid and the Whale, Dingus? Oh, oh, God. I've asked you this before, and I don't know. I think sometimes you forget it. Just like Kelly Wong can't remember it's, the name of Martha Marcy, Martha, Marcy Martha Marcy May Marlene. Martha Marcy May Marlene. It's chicken. Very good, it? Kelly Wong. Good practicing. Well, she calls one of them chicken, and the other one is? Uh, I know chicken, but I don't know the other. Goose Pickle. Oh, pickle oh, chicken and chicken. chicken. Pickle. Yeah. yeah. Pickle. That's such a cliche. 
All right, Dingus, why don't you uh, bring us bring this uh, bring this week's three by three in for uh, in for a landing? I don't know. Ah, Talking down. Yeah. These are your Clark. three favorite landings. Uh, again, I decided it last week based on the fact that uh, my son and I were watching Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Lord the, in the after the first uh, set piece where the actual Star Lord is in it, and he 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 shoots himself out of this hole that. Uh, Jaiman Hansu is blown in the side of the cavern, um, and he lands like on his back. And my, and my son was like, "Oh, your favorite landings," because he knew I was trying to come with three, three, three by threes. And of course, I spent the next week. He's like, "What's your three by three? What are you choosing?" And this was before this was before I had actually solidified last week's three by three was about masturbation. So he's like, "What's your three by three for this week?" Well, I can't share it with you. I don't want to talk about my favorite masturbation in movies. Uh, with you, my ten-year-old son, uh, but the thing that you suggested, the landing thing, will be for next week. And he gave me a bunch of ideas. Um, so the the idea now, the difficulty was, as I think Kelly Wan mentioned last week, is that uh, Tom had this great topic uh, uh, low those many weeks ago of uh, horrific falls, but this is this is more. Uh, like, like a human actually landing safely or landing and not being, it's not a horrific fall. It's a landing. Well, and you also, it's a money of, shot. And Go you ahead, also Tom. kind of said, uh, you know, you, you know, we could do what we wanted, but you weren't thinking like airplanes or spaceships landing. So right, that was right. what I tried to do is I just tried to think of people landing and ended up hating this topic. Cause I don't have any good ones. I couldn't think of, uh. I mean, everybody who lands, if it's a cool landing, they just do that stupid tripod thing. And then whatever. Uh, well, we one of the in- things I originally wrote in my initial notes was any tripod landing. Yeah. And, my, and because, like, yeah, Black Widow, what? So, yeah, I, 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 I went away from that kind of thing. But yeah. All right. Well, I hope you guys have some good things because I don't know what to do with this. I don't like mine. So, but Kelly Wand, you were introducing next week's topic later on. So, why don't you start us off with your number three favorite landing? And Kelly Wand, what, what did you think of this topic? Uh, I liked it when I heard it, but it seemed yeah. tougher uh, once I started trying to compose my list. Yeah, so. same here. When I heard it, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, it's yeah. over the course of the week. But I think the f- I, that's why – it's one of those where I look forward to what the listeners are going to write because right. they'll like, clean up our mess for us. Basically. Well, and I hope you know Dingus has some good ones. And Kelly, well, I'm sure you've got some great ones that aren't zapped, mm-hmm. I hope. Let's find out. <laughs> no, Zap didn't make it. There are no good landings in that movie. They're okay. all terrible. Okay. Um, wait, was the topic – Landings or launches? Landings, your three favorite landings. I can see how you confuse those, Kelly Wand. Well, they both have uh, the same ending. Usually there's not a countdown to landings. Yeah, there should be, though, shouldn't there? Isn't that even a big we'll go, No go for you. Oh. Yeah, like you get a note. If, if it's launched, you'll know. You don't need the number. <laughs> three, two, oh, never mind. Yeah, forget it. Famous. Famous right, so what's iconic. your number three? My number three is in the movie Alien when they park the ship on LV whatever the fuck, and I like how four two six Kelly Wand four two six duh, um, which is the one in Prometheus. That's my number one landing. Just kidding. Uh, no, that's LV something else, right? Wait, is isn't LV planet? No, on Alien and Prometheus is the same planet, right? No, no. Ha ha. Damn. Are you Dingus talking about new. the? Are you talking about the dropship landing? Yeah. All right. Wait, well, wait, are you talking about aliens? Wait, okay, first of all, no, 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 hold, no, on. No, wait, wait. hold on. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Isn't the planet they <laughs> land on alien, 
Yeah. Which is the planet gets colonized in aliens. Yeah, that's true. LV426. Oh, it's not the Prometheus planet, is it? Right. No, that's like LV431 or something. We would have seen the head in aliens if it was the same. Prometheus is stupid anyway. I don't care about but but it's it is L I'm pretty sure it's L V four two six. That's one Dingus, what's the stormtrooper's number in Star Wars? TK what? TK No, no, your name isn't Dingus. THX. Uh Dingus, what's the stormtrooper's number? You know that I know the numbers, I'm not gonna say them. I'm not Well no, I'm just saying I know alien just like Roski. Sorry. I'm just saying I know alien just like I'm sure you know the Star Wars stormtrooper. If you don't want to say it, that's fine, but you would know that number. I know alien, it's L V four two six. Oh, I hope I'm right because if I'm wrong, there's a bunch of people. What's on the Arnie's me. number? What's his? What's Arnie's UPC symbol in Terminator? Uh, break. What's? Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Tom's pretty funny sometimes. What's? Uh, never mind. At any rate, so Kelly Wan, what's the landing that you were picking specifically? What movie and what scene? Uh, yeah, well, didn't you think Chappie was going to be Chappie's brand at least, like David and AI? Or John in any Keanu Reeves movie, because his name's John something. You're asking me, I haven't seen it, so I can't help you. You're anyway, asking- my number three is Alien, the Nostromo's dropship. No, the Nostromo there. doesn't have a dropship. What's the matter with you guys? There are dropships in Aliens, the, the uh, Sulaco. They don't park the Nostromo on, the plant, on LV-426. Not, they yes, they it. do. The Nostromo, no, they don't. The Nostromo's like a tugboat. They detach from what they're hauling, this barge, and they land. That is the Nostromo. Nah. Tell you what, it is not a separate dropship. The Nostromo does not have a dropship. The Nostromo itself lands on LV-246. That seems strange. The planet has a number, and the ship doesn't have a number or a name. The ship has a name. All right, so why do you like that landing scene? I like it because it goes on a lot. immediately breaking Dingus' idea of, you know, we should do people landing. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm docking a point from your score. Docking, get it? But more importantly... uh, it goes on a long time, which is how space travel should feel like complicated and annoying. Like it's just like remember they're looking at that fucking like Tempest graphics like for ten hours, right. and so you get the sense that yeah, we don't really want to do this. Answering the distress call is not just like a five minute thing where it's like we got to like look at the Tempest graphics for a long time and smoke the cigarette, put on the suits. It's annoying, and that's how space should feel is annoying. So, thank thank you, really, Scott. Well, my number three, which is actually a person landing. And not a ship or an airplane. Uh, is uh, is Keanu Reeves' failed jump in in the Matrix during the jump? Oh, I thought of that one. Yeah. Well, you didn't pick it. I did. Uh, where he lands on the tarmac, and it's like it's like because oh. it's all a digital fake world. It's like rubber, and he like sinks into it, and it bounces him back up. It's like some goofy cartoon thing. Uh, and it's as we're still learning about, you know, what is the Matrix? What are the parameters? What's going on in here? Um, I love the playfulness of that landing. And sound. What was the yeah, sound? there is sort of like... It's all... Okay, right. Uh, but that's the sound that it would be. Warner Brothers sound there. Yeah, because it's Warner Brothers movie. But also that sounds the actual sound that Keanu Reeves makes when he falls on the concrete. <laughs> uh, Dingus, what is your number three favorite landing? All right, my number three, here's a quote from it. All this trouble for a horse. I may not be pretty, but I know what I like. Richard III... No, it's from a movie called Hudson Hawk, and um, there's this ridiculous moment, and I love this moment so much, and it sort of signals what the movie you're watching is, if you didn't understand, based on the fact that you've just watched a musical number and a heist, which I think everybody who watched this movie missed. 
and thought it was this terrible um, vanity project, which it's kind of a vanity project, but yeah, there's so much more here. Uh, the the two characters have gone through this heist. They've done this great musical number of Swing and the Star. Uh, they've gone through the whole museum. They've stolen a horse. They've gone up to the roof of the museum, being chased by one of the security guards. They're on the roof of the museum, and they jump off. And they do that thing where they jump off of the roof of the building, and they go through the awnings. You know, that thing where you, oh, the, the awning is going to break your fall. But instead of, like, them falling through the awning and then us seeing where they land, what happens is uh, Bruce Willis and Denny Aiello fall through this awning, and then there's this weird... It's not even an edit. It's just a complete cut to Bruce Willis landing in a recliner chair in some dude's apartment where he's supposed to deliver this thing that he has stolen from the museum, and he but he lands in the chair as if he had landed in the chair falling through the awning. He lands into the chair and he goes, as if he has fallen through the ceiling of this apartment. But he's in an apartment building. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, thank you for this. Thanks. And he's, and he does that line of like, I, you know, I, you know, uh, you know, all this trouble for a horse. But these are just some dudes who are working for the mob or whatever, for Richard E. Grant and Sarah Bernhardt, uh, Sandra Bernhardt, sorry. And uh, but I love that idea of, of them falling off of the roof of this building, and and they decided I think it's a really bold, weird editing choice for them instead just to have them cut immediately to him landing in a recliner chair in an apartment, but as if he had fallen off the building. I love that landing. So that's Hudson Hawk. There you go. You know my my reaction to that dingus is oh Hudson Hawk, <laughs> and I kind of shake he- my head as I say that. Yeah. Does he still have the fire hose tied around his uh, midriff? When he uh, <laughs> a little fun. Did you guys ever see Dom Hemingway, that Jude Law movie I mentioned a long time ago? No. Oh, so great, that was the. There's great Richard E. Grant in that. Like it, it's it's from last year actually. Uh, Isn't that the uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie? That'd be Dom Don John. Uh, oh yeah, yeah Don John has different landings. And it's Dom D O M Hemingway. Uh, but it's, it's a it's a great uh, Jude Law performance, and there's really uh, fun Richard E. Grant stuff in it. And the the chick from um, uh, Khaleesi from uh, Game of Thrones is it's kind of weird seeing her without you know some little uh, queen outfit or a dragon with her or something. Uh, Emilia Clarke, she's in it too. Uh, all right, <sighs> so. Dang. Wait, does Jude Law play Richard E. Grant as a younger person? So Jude Law plays a guy named Dom Hemingway, and Richard E. Grant, he's, it's, uh, it opens with him getting out of prison, and uh, Richard E. Grant is his uh, erstwhile like companion in crime who is basically helping him reintegrate after he's out of prison. Are you sure it's not a sequel to Hudson Hawk? Because it sounds weirdly similar. Does he love cappuccino? Jude Law, not in Hudson Hawk, at least as far as I remember. Um it opens with uh, Jude Law being filleted. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? Huh. Yeah, that's what I thought you'd say. Kelly Wand, what is your number two pick for a favorite landing? Okay, this is my number two, mm-hmm. but I can't take questions because I signed an NDA, and this movie's still in production, mm-hmm. so you just have to take my word for it mm-hmm. for once. Um, the movie is ID42, and... There's a scene where uh, Plymouth Rock lands on Spike Lee. 
Huh, okay. Uh, my number two pick uh, is, and Kelly Wan, you, uh, we had a little uh, dispute about this last week. What is the best Final Destination? I saw it more as a desktop. A desktop dispute, uh, a fracas, perhaps? Cecil, yeah. Could it be a Donnybrook? It might I, be a brouhaha. You know. Only one of us is playing by the Queensberry rules. No, um, certainly not you. But, yeah, I feel that it's the one that opens with the car wreck, which I can't even remember. Three, two. <laughs> this was the dispute. It was like they all of it. No, 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 but it's the, the freeway pileup. That's two. So you don't even know what movie it is. Kelly didn't pick a movie, and you don't know what movie. No, no, I haven't even picked. No, I'm talking about what our what our fracas was about last uh, week. Oh, your fracas. Yeah, I, I maintain the best, uh, the the best final destination is the one that opens with that freeway pileup. Kelly, did you say the first one is the best? It's the scariest, because that's where I thought I was going to die a lot. Huh. Well, well one, of the, one of the problems with the Final Destination movies is that as they, as they went on, the, the set pieces for people having these grisly deaths, uh, just the, the connecting tissue just kind of is, becomes irrelevant. And you're just waiting for another like cool death scene. Um, and even some of those, they just got weaker as they went on. Well, they don't seem to care that they're all dying. Well, as in the first one, they actually... Ate. Act the way you would if you if you. Were well, there was actual right. There was actual the character stuff in some of them, yeah, and eventually right. there's yeah, just, whatever. It's just like a slasher film, uh, and the, uh, one of the problems is the deaths become increasingly ridiculous. So here in Final Destination Five, hold on one second. They don't grieve anymore. They're like, oh yeah, fuck, what died. They don't grieve anymore? Is that what you said? They don't grieve? Yeah, in the first one, they're a little bummed. Because they're friends, and they're trying to... Oh, okay. okay, Then they're never friends again. It's all enemies. But yeah, like the audience, they stop caring about people dying as well. The characters (laughs) and the audience are like, whatever, someone died. So, in Final Destination 5, which, uh, that's the last one, yeah, I think, uh, there's a landing in that. Um, There's a, a, a gymnast who dies... Uh, and there's this. Oh yeah, I remember uh, you talking about that bolt or something. Yeah, well, there's a great setup, and that's yeah. one of the cool things. Is even as the Final Destination movies start to suck more and more, they still have a solid sense for how to do tension and how to create these just really tense situations. Like, you know, ooh, how is this person going to get killed? You know, what what thing is going to mutilate them horribly? Um, so there's a there's a gymnast who's practicing on a balance beam, uh, and but there are all these red herrings where. Uh, a screw falls out of an air conditioner and lands the sharp side up on the balance beam. Mm-hmm. While she's like jumping around it and you think she's going to step on it. But that's death just fucking with us. Well, even then you're thinking, okay, so she's just going to step on it and hurt her foot. Big deal. But it, you're still watching that and you're, you're sort of doing that thing where you suck your breath through your teeth because you think, yeah, you're cringing about how much that would hurt. Uh, and then simultaneously, uh, there's, there's water that spills out of a bucket and run towards uh, an electric cable that – where the, the wiring is exposed. Um, That's all of them, though. And then, and then when she's on a uh, – uh, what is it? There's a balance beam. What are the, the parallel bars called? Where you've, you've uh, Backwards cowgirl? Uh-huh. Uh, no, where you swing around on the bars. I think they might be called parallel bars, like where gymnasts do loop-de-loops or whatever. Uh, there's one of those, and the bars coming unscrewed. So there's all these red herrings about you know what terrible thing is going to kill her and how she's going to die. And – but she ends up just letting go uh, at the, of the parallel bar at the wrong time um, and landing poorly. Uh, and this this is my second favorite landing. But because it's a horror movie, you know, instead of if anybody normally landed this way, I guess you could theoretically break your neck. But when she lands, it is this horrible, gratuitous CG effect of her body 
you know, folding over backwards and her legs bending underneath her and a yeah. bone snaps out of her leg. And uh, yeah. it is so ridiculously overwrought. You know, that might happen if someone falls off a skyscraper. But, you know, letting go of a balance beam at the wrong time. <laughs> That's not what would happen. And landing, exactly. It's just ridiculous. Um, and it's endemic of just how silly the Final Destination movies become. Uh, it's also like, okay, if you could just do that, like push her off the bars or she's doing it on her own. Like, why does he need to do all the shit with the nails and stuff? Right, exactly. It's uh, just a clumsy idiot. All of, those are, all of those things are red herrings, and the depth is just so ridiculous and, and gratuitous. Just don't do gymnastics till the next movie. It does tap into our fear of gymnastics, though, Kelly Wand. Yeah, and the dentist. Well, there's the there's one, a lot. What's the one where the guy gets his like gut sucked out by the drain in the pool? That's the fourth one. And again, that's just so overwrought. Yeah, it's gross, and, and people think, ew, what if I the got... The escalator one? ones in the... What's the escalator death? That's the you know what the fourth ones were. It's like bad. It's like shitty safety inspection. Like is all of them. It's like human people like not just on break and like uh, leaving their drills out all the time. Right, right. Like you don't even need death. How does it? How does the escalator kill someone? I don't think I remember that one. Uh, there's a fire in a theater, unrelated, and then it makes the escalator. I remember they're like, it, I know it's supposed to be like your shoelace gets caught. Right, um, and then it sucks you in. But what? Yeah, happens? but I remember they're like hanging over a pit, holding onto axles, and then the escalator's the red herring. And there's also a car wash red herring too. Well, is that, so, and it's your question. Not at all. But I still maintain Final Destination with the highway pile up at the beginning. Two or three? It's got to be two. That's Isn't three the roller coaster? Three is the roller coaster. Okay. Four is the race cars. Five is the oh bridge. god, race cars, man. That's yeah, that's I know. Beach. Yeah. I'm so terrified of going to see a race car thing. Like, that's something I'm never going to do anyway, so... Right, yeah. I'd love to read about that happening. That's never happened. Like, the audience gets killed by dragsters. There there have been some really grisly deaths associated with racing, though. Uh, I don't know about the audience getting hurt. And actually, there have been, been, like, a tire flying in the audience and killing someone. That definitely happened, I guess, in the last five years or something. Wasn't there something like that? I think you're in more danger at a winery of drowning than you are getting hit. That's but. Final Destination Six, by the way. It's a, yeah. it's a it's a set piece at a winery. Is how it opens. Yeah. yeah. Scary stuff. Well, because the blood's already the same color. Thing is, how come you never join our Final Destination conversations? Yeah, come on, it's fit in with the group. Fuck. Because uh, I, I was hoping that you guys would go with distilleries instead of wineries. So, Tom, getting back to Freddy versus Jason, do you remember those kids who were in the sleep lab? I've never seen it. I mean, that was the thing. As I realized, it came and went, and I never even saw it. And I, you know, I. So there are kids in a sleep lab in Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. I read the plot synopsis. It sounds terrible. I know they don't really fight, and there's no winner. That's why it's all bullshit about it to me. Right. You got it. Any versus. Right. You got it. Exactly. Somebody has to win at the end. Yeah. And Batman vs. Superman. You're you're pussing out. Oh my God, Zack Snyder better not wuss out. They're he's going to tell us that. No, don't say They're going to team up. They always team up against something stupid, and then that's the versus is bullshit. Just like Freddy versus Jason, they teamed up against, like, the government or something. So we're not going to finally put to rest this issue of who would win in a fight between Batman and Superman? Yeah, because the, the, it would hurt the fans of that one. Like, per, people would be rooting for they'll have the Superman camp and the Batman no camp. No one roots for Superman, Kelly Wand, please. I think there's some. no. He doesn't little, need anybody to root for him. He's kicking he the three-year-olds. The, the, the yellow, su- the yellow sun will root for him. Uh, I'm rooting for Aquaman personally. 
Yeah. Jason Momoa is Aquaman. How hot is that? Yeah. Vincent Chase. Are we going to see the Entourage movie? Dingus is. Dingus has been watching Entourage on TV. You know what else Dingus is watching? Dingus, I'm so mad at you. Dingus so is here's our- the thing. Here's what Dingus does. <laughs> if you try to wave Dingus off a terrible, terrible TV show like Episodes, he watches it anyway. And I have to listen to the stupid theme song coming out of his room. And I know he's wasting his time watching Episodes. Not only that, he runs around the house humming the stupid theme song. There's a show called Episodes? He's just rubbing it in my face that he's watching Episodes and probably enjoying it. What's that show about? It's a couple of Brits have written this like brilliant British movie, and they get hired to come to Hollywood. No, no, no. They've written a, a, a British series, and they're hired to come to Hollywood and adapt it to an American series, but they have to cast Matt LeBlanc in the lead. Ew. Wacky. Wait, that sounds like it could be good. Uh, the first the first season actually does have some cute stuff, and there's a really good comedic actress named Kathleen Rose Perkins in it, who yeah. I like a lot. She's yeah. great. Who uh-huh. plays Matt LeBlanc? Matt LeBlanc himself. Uh, he's really good at playing himself. I'll give him that. He's so good. Remember that chimp movie you made, Ed? No, but I did recently watch Lost in Space with Matt LeBlanc. Ew. <laughs> yeah, that's mentioned, fucked up. I love when he mentions that in one of the episodes. And that's what led me to it. I was like, oh, well, I'm enjoying Matt LeBlanc in this. I guess, well, also, uh, I'd watched some original Lost in Space episodes, and I was like, you know, I guess I'll just watch the uh, actual movie. Um, Ew. Does it hold up, though, the show? Because Space 1999, I really love... Yeah, the show holds up. Like, I mean, it's weird in 60s. It's John, Jonathan Harris is great, but... Uh, yeah, I, I like the original show. I, mean, didn't, I didn't like it because they, they should just kill Doc Smith. Fuck that guy. Well, they did a weird thing where it becomes a comedy. Like the first series, the first season is, you know, Dr. Smith is this evil, uh, insidious guy. That's the reason they're lost. Right, but it ends up becoming, over the course of the, the run for however many seasons, uh, a wacky comedy where he's the main character. Um, yeah. But at any rate, so uh, Dingus it's loves... Like Dingus yeah. won't listen to me when I say don't watch episodes because episodes just become so. You're drowning out my lost in space booby viewing. Terrible. Dingus. <laughs> sounds like the worst roommate. It sounds like the Naomi Watts Ben Stiller marriage in the movie. Well, that, me, the young kids. And Dingus and I are now going to adopt a Haitian baby. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? <sighs> Too soon. Dingus, what's your second favorite fall? Landing, uh, my sorry, second favorite fall. fall. Landing. Uh, Haitian. Landing's not false. We don't want to hear about false. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was still the topic we're talking about. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this is related to, again, uh, this uh, topic was inspired by my son trying to tell me to do a topic. And um, he had this idea of this particular that's not my movie. Uh, and here's a line from it If you douse me again and I'm not on fire, I'm donating you to a silly city college. A silly city college. A silly city. A, just a city college. Oh, a serious city college then. Not a silly one. I'm donating you to silly city college. So, um, this is from the movie Iron Man, uh, the first Iron Man, uh, and the the moment that uh, my son remembered was when he lands after flying in the Iron Man suit for the first time. But the Iron Man suit is so heavy that he falls right through the ceiling onto the Cobra, uh, one of the awesome cars that he has there. And then his robot, his crappy robot, douses him with the fire extinguisher. Jarvis? Um, is it Jarvis? Is that the name of it? Isn't they call the robot that? Jarvis, played by Paul Bettany. I think Jarvis is actually the computer who runs everything, oh. but he has a dopey robot that he constantly makes fun of. 
And the dopey robot is constantly messing things up, and that's the the that's the punching bag of the movie. Why like I am on this podcast. Why would you donate um, a robot to a city college? I don't understand that. Especially a silly uh, city. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, w- that would make no sense. Um, but the the actual landing that I love, having wa- I went ahead and watched Iron Man again because you know my kids like this is this is a great scene. You should choose this. Um, and I really, <laughs> I really, really, really like that first Iron Man movie. Um, uh, I also like the third one, but I really like that first one. Uh, the, the, the landing that I'm actually choosing is his first landing that he does uh, when he when he actually learns how to fly for the first time. Uh, and it, the end of it is, it, it, well, it, he's he's adjusting, he's adjusting, he's adjusting. He's just trying to figure out how do I how do I learn how to adjust all of these things so I learn how to fly. And so he. He's he's testing it and he's testing it and then there's this there's there's the sequence where he tests it and he goes over his like his collection of super cool cars one of them being that Cobra that my kid loves so much and you just know that all of this like fire that's shooting out of his feet and his hands is going to kill the paint of all these awesome cars uh, but. But the thing I like about it is that weird sort of adjustment that he's doing, and it reminds me of learning how to how to paddle a a uh, uh, oh god what what are the things that you have to sit in canoe? No, it's not a canoe. It's it, where you actually sit in it. Dingy. Uh, Tyler too. No, forget kayak. It. Kayak. Thank you. It's a kayak. It's like it's like learning to to do a kayak where oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna row on this side. Oh god, I gotta row on that side. Oh no, I gotta row on that side. Oh, I'm 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 too far off. And and that and that scene captures that whole like that thing of uh, adjusting on this side, adjusting on that side, adjusting on this side. It's like that that first time you did uh, Lunar Lander, that that game where you have to come to thing. Uh, and when when he finally figures out how he's going to do it in that particular scene. Uh, where he says, okay, at one point he's like, okay, uh, this is where I don't want to be, and he's about to go over all those awesome cars and burn all the paint jobs off of them, and then he finally lands perfectly. Not perfectly, but enough perfectly, and then he turns to that dude, and he says, if you douse in, and the, and that crappy robot doesn't douse him, and he, and he says, yeah, I can fly. So he finally realizes he can tr- control it well enough to fly. So that landing where he actually figures out how to fly, how he figures out how to do all of those things, then he goes all around the room and he lands on the ground. That's my second favorite landing. Terry Wand, is your favorite landing of all time from an actual movie or one that you invented? <laughs> it's from a movie I saw the whole thing of. And what would that be called? Although my original number one was too dumb, so I changed it to this. Mm-hmm. When the boat's propeller lands on all the broke people in Titanic. I like that. Although, I also like when the fat dude lands against the table while he's falling, and they're, like, watching him. Because, like, back then, craftsmanship was a big deal, and you had to collide with something to feel uncomfortable. And now you just go into jack-in-the-box, and the second you sit down, you feel that much discomfort. So, Titanic. So, Tom, what was your second favorite landing in a movie? My second was Final Destination. I mean, your your first, sorry. But my favorite landing of all time, and this one, uh, I think this will qualify, uh, would be the end of Birdie. Yeah, <laughs> that's was, a great one. 
Oh, a Birdie. Okay, yeah. All right. Birdie, the Clint uh, Eastwood else. biopic about uh, that's Bird. Oh, right, and not Tom. Did you see Birdman? Well, I was actually thinking about Birdman when you said that. But go ahead, Birdie. No, no, Birdie, where uh, Nicholas Cage goes, Birdie, and Matthew Modine goes, What? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and yes, I did see Birdman and liked it quite a lot. Didn't make my top ten, but no, I, I liked Birdman a lot. I'm a huge uh, pro Birdman. Yeah, I am too, and I almost chose Birdman as one of my landings. Uh, just that is that weird when he lands after quote unquote flying, right? Uh, but then what did you choose for your favorite uh, landing of all time, Dingus? Uh, my favorite is another superhero movie in the Marvel Universe, uh, and it is uh, the Captain America Winter Soldier landing when he uh, when he goes through the elevator fight and then jumps out the – then breaks himself out of the elevator. And at, the, at first I was like, why, why is why – is, does he survive that um, but he that whole thing where he curls up in his shield and he he uses the shield because of the nature of vibranium which is to absorb energy and so it makes sense in the fiction of that shield and the character of Captain America that the shield would absorb the energy of his landing and it still has an effect on his body but I I just love that whole sequence so much. And so that landing where he goes out of the elevator after the – before we get started, does anyone want to get out? That whole fight sequence, going out of the elevator and landing onto the bottom of the parking garage or wherever he lands. I, I just love that. So you know, those Captain two, America Winter Soldier. Those two dudes who directed that who uh, previously came from TV, you know, they're signed on for the next – I think next two Avengers movies, Dingus. What do you mean? The two guys who directed Winter Soldier will be doing uh, whatever Avengers 3 and 4 turn out to be called. Anthony Russo and, and – who is it? Tom someone, I think, maybe? I don't I don't remember I their names. I think they're the same dude, like Anthony Russo and Joe Russo or something like that. They're, oh, they're, they're, they're directing – Yeah, yeah. They're, they've been signed on to direct whatever Avengers 3 and 4 are called. Uh, what? Four? Yeah. Wow. It's too many. Oh, they uh, can't possibly. Okay, Wow. I think is what landings have the readers uh, chosen for us? All right, so we have Jaime Cabrera. Uh, he's hello all. Here are my top three landings in movies. Number one, quote, let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Unquote. Oh, it's from Iron Man. All right. Well, there are many landings and crash landings in this movie. My favorite is when he first takes the suit out for a test flight. Okay, so this is my son's. Um, but Jaime says. Flush with success, he tries to gracefully land, but cuts the power to his thrusters too high. He crashes through the floor and in one of his sports cars in the room below. Always makes me chuckle. Uh, so that's that was that was the one my son loved, where he he, cl- he clangs into the I think it's a Cobra, and he gets uh, he gets squirted with the fire extinguishers. So Jaime Cabrera also chooses number two. Quote: Fly, yes; land, no. Unquote. And this is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The Jones boys escape a Nazi blimp by commandeering a biplane. When his dad expresses pride in the fact that he can fly a plane, Indy gives a famous line. I love the actual landing, too, where they coast into a barn and that they don't go overboard with it and make it impossible crash to survive. See? Dwayne Johnson didn't know how to land a plane. 
Well, you just wait until that San Andreas movie comes out and we see it this summer where he plays a helicopter pilot saving people from a California earthquake. We'll see what kind of landings he's capable of, won't we? <gasps> helicopter? It's way harder to land than an airplane. <laughs> they have to grab onto the pontoons while he flies it? Pontoons, They're doing all the work. please. Flying a helicopter is not that heroic. Kelly, when, you, you, when you've mastered controlling the collective and the cyclic, you get back to me. And you let me know how hard it is to fly a helicopter. What was the first one? The collective. Okay. Those are the two controls in a helicopter. Still working on it. All right. Don't forget the anti-torque uh, rotor. you got to control that as well. It's hard to start learning flying by landing. But you eventually have to get around to that part of the process, though. It's kind of important. Yeah. But anyway, this is about people landing. But you only have to do it right once. This is about or people wait. landing, not vehicles. So oh. go, go ahead, Dingus. What, what other people landing have the readers chosen? All right. Jaime Cabrera's number one is, quote, I can't lose you again. I can't. Not again. I'm not strong enough. Uh, this is from The Incredibles. When trying to get back to the city where the villain is, The Incredibles take a rocket. When the rocket opens up to glide for a landing... We find Elastigirl suspending a Winnebago in the ship's guts. It's ultimately the Winnebago they have to land in a frantic chaotic rush that includes arguments about which freeway exits to take to avoid rush hour traffic. Uh, look forward to hearing everyone else's picks. P.S. Welcome back, Tom. I'm so very glad to hear you're doing well. Here's being able to officially use the term. Uh, remission soon. So this is Jaime Cabrera. Uh, next we have Grant Stewart. Um, hey guys, good topic this week, but I've been really stumped to think of landings without any craft of any kind. I'm sure I've not done the topic justice, but rather than just give a bunch of superhero entrances, I've given my best three, or my three best landings, landings in the broader sense. Flight. I guess that's the movie Flight. I <laughs> don't know. What is that? That's, that's, that's a Washington's drug. Oh, yeah, no, I have uh... seen, Of course I've seen that, where the stupid plane flies upside down. That is so stupid. Uh, a great James Badge Dale scene, though. I'll give it that. Oh. He does a drunk, he's even better, isn't he? I don't the problem. Ugh, movie's so stupid. Oh, James Badge Dale. Isn't he in the third uh, Iron Man movie? He's all over the place. I love that As guy. He should and be. I love his name so much, James Mitchell. All right, so Grant Stewart says, Flight. Uh, Denzel Washington is a hard-drinking airline captain under the influence of a couple of vodkas when the flaps get stuck down, so he rolls the plane and lands it upside down. So stupid. A decent middle-of-the-road movie, but this action set piece really elevates the movie as a whole. Oh, sorry, Grant. Uh, Sky. I, 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 I mean, I don't. It's one of those things where, like, some people get annoyed in a movie, uh, like if they if they totally fudge how computers work. Like when I see them doing stupid things, like they do with the airplane in flight, that just totally bugs me. I mean, if you're if you're a layman, that's fine, and you want to watch what what should be an exciting set piece, that's cool. But I watch it and think that is so fake. You know, a plane couldn't do that without completely breaking apart. Yeah. It would what just, about watching no Jaws: The Revenge no with an admiral? Be able to stay in. Right, yeah. You just can't. That's yeah. We're we're in the we're in the we're in Looney Tunes territory, physics wise, at this point. So we're watching Apollo eighteen with uh, Neil Armstrong. Uh, He was in that. (laughs) No, but he wouldn't. He'd think it was dumb. He'd go. No, but he apparently went to see it with Kelly. (laughs) 
We disagreed on a couple of plot points at the end. But he kept elbowing you. He thought, it's, oh, it hangs together. So Grant's second choice is Skyfall. Uh, it's a bit cheesy and so obviously a shot from the trailer. But when Daniel Craig rips the back off of a train carriage with a bulldozer and jumps from the arm into the back of a moving carriage and does the little adjustment of his cuffs, come on, how can you not go for that? That's, that's a great one. Grant, you've redeemed yourself from your terrible choice of flight. Which yeah, is I like that. Pick. Yeah. I like that landing. That's 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 a great one. Uh, and then number th- the last one for Grant Stewart is um, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Get it? The landing. landings in German yeah. occupied France. I think it's at, at Omaha Beach? Question mark. But yeah. what a way to start a movie. I don't think I remember. Seeing as you can send a period of the course brutality in a front line war zone before this. Um, I don't know that I... Okay. Uh, on a slight sidebar, I returned <laughs> to a games podcast in which Tom and Adam Bessner gave an amazingly frank insight into their experiences during their recently... Okay. Health scares. I have a, I have a relative going through something similar at the moment, and I found this incredibly illuminating. I'd like to thank Tom and Adam for taking the time to do it. Take care, you guys, and keep on trucking. Thanks, and best of luck with your relative, Grant. I hope that turns out well. Yeah, definitely, Grant. Best of luck. Uh, Grant sends us, sends us a second email saying, P.S., you guys have referenced James Spader a couple of times in recent weeks, and I share your approval of a lot of, a lot of his work. And I'm sure you guys are ex- as excited as I am that he is in the new Avengers movie. What? Oh, that's I don't like that. Spoiler. Thanks. Yeah, Grant, I, hear I wish stuff. you hadn't told us that, Grant. Playing himself? Dingus, why did you even read that? Because uh, uh, I'm reading these in real time. Okay, well, that wasn't part of his 3x3, three three, so... All right, you're right. You're right. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I, you know, it, w- along with you having to listen to me uh, hum along with the theme of episodes, you probably have to listen to me watching uh, Black Hat. Uh, not Black Hat. What is it? Uh, Black, Black Rest. I really actually like that movie. God, I love... I love. Wait, what movie? Theater. Black Hat? Uh, no, no, no. The the tel- the television show uh, Blacklist. Right. I really like Blacklist. Right. Uh, just because uh, James Spader. Nobody else is any good in it. Oh, well, some of them are, but the female lead's terrible. But James Spader, that guy, goddamn, he can do no wrong. He's so fucking good. Um, so whatever he's in, I'll watch. I'll, I just I fucking love that guy so damn much. Who was he in Black Hat? He's not in Black Hat. He's in a movie. He's in a television show called Blacklist. And this has nothing to do with movies. I apologize for saying it. Uh, our last listener to uh, comment is Chris Markinson. Hey, guys. Number three, I am Jack's smirking revenge. In his boss's office, Ed Norton punches himself in the face, launching himself into the air and onto uh. through a glass table. <laughs> the scene cuts to Ed Norton lying on the broken glass, arms up, and you can see yellow pit stains on his white shirt and blood leaking from his nose. All the while, his boss watches with a mix of confusion and horror. I had already fallen in love with Fight Club by this time, but this scene helped to make it one of my favorite movies of all time. That's uh, more of a reach than what I wrote. Number two. Maybe that's what hell is. 
the entire rest of eternity spent in fucking Bruges. In in Bruges, the, mortal, the mortally wounded and awesome Brendan Gleeson steps off the bell tower and plumbs to the ground, hitting with a sickening thud and a splatter of blood. The landing doesn't kill him instantly, and he is able to warn Colin Farrell about Rafe Fiennes. There's not much else to say except this is a great movie. Number one, get up. Trinity, just get up. Get up. Uh, In The Matrix, Carrie Ann Moss is being chased by one of the agents and launches herself off the roof of the building. She smashes through a window of another building somersaulting down a flight of stairs and finally comes to a stop on her back with arms extended holding two guns pointed at the broken window. I love that even though it's a rough landing, she already has the pistols out waiting to fire if the agent has followed her. Thanks, guys. Chris. And, and this, actually, this is a great choice, Chris, because it's it calls to mind exactly what kind of the... Uh, the thing that my my son was going for with uh, with Star Lord flying off the out of that hole backwards. So that's the, those are our uh, those are our listeners. Uh, runners up. I, I'm afraid I don't have any. Do you guys? Have I do. Is Kelly Wand? Yeah, uh, I didn't see the whole movie, but in Capricorn One, I really like when they land on Mars. I thought that was really historic, and I always get a little teared up when I think about it. And also in Mission to Mars at Disneyland when the duck. Like lands and like trips over itself at the end, the beginning. Mission to Mars at Disneyland when the duck trips over itself. I have yeah, no remember, idea what you're talking about. The NASA animatronic robots go, okay, hang on, we've got something going on in runway three, and there's like an alert, and then it shows like a duck in slow motion, like falling. In what movie? Mission to Mars? The Brian De Palma thing? No, the Disneyland ride. That little short film. Oh, Carrie wants to save that for the quarter to three amusement park podcast. It took a lot of ducks to get that timing right. They cripple thousands. It's uh, a movie. Other other runners up? Anyone? Dingus? Do you have any? Uh, mine's just uh, another dopey superhero movie, and that's Captain America landing <laughs> in the middle of the battle and then using his shield to uh, redirect laser beams. But. What? Well, that's one of the properties of vibranium, dingus. Yeah. I think superheroes should have been taken off the list. I mean, the table. Superheroes have all the best landings. They always land, yeah. Well, at least they didn't do any tripod landings, which are super awesome, but which Black Widow pretty much has cornered. As far as the second, I mean, I I just think of her in all those silly landing poses in Iron Man 2, which I hated. Uh, So I just eliminated those kinds of things. Luke's landing on Dagobah. Um, right, yeah. Sure. It's grabbed because Con Air in the, the Vegas Strip. I mean, yeah. you forget that one, right? Oh, I just picked uh, her up. I, I session, yeah. Revenge of the Sith landing. That ship. Have we, have we done crashes? There's been a 3 by 3 about crashes, yeah. hasn't there? Yeah, you would think. I think we've done multiple ones. Well, Kelly Wand, what do you have for us next week? What is next week's 3 Well, something we a little more... We've never done before, something that yeah. has not been a 3 by 3 before, we hope. Right. Well, it was inspired by Dingus's, because Dingus's was kind of science-based. So I decided, <laughs> to do, I decided to do something similar, because, you know, birds of a feather. Uh, so mine is uh, Three Best Uses of Magnetism in movies. 
for next week. Magnetism. It's, uh, Do you have anything as an example that you'd like to take off the table? Like Magneto? He's on the table. And uh, anything involving magnets is acceptable. So are you going to just choose like people who are attracted to each other next week while the two of us actually choose magnets? Or what do you mean? Are you going to narrow it at all? Are you, are you talking about literal magnets? Or? Ah, right. Good point. Yeah, Dingus does have a very good point, Kelly Wand. Is this like figurative magnetism or literal because, magnetism? Yeah, next week you can just say, well, the you know, these guys were attracted to each other. Me. Like, for instance, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler, and they came together. Do you mean that kind of magnetism? Right. They're not polar well, opposites. Nice. Get it? Amy Poehler opposites. Let's see. Oh. Well, no, at the beginning they weren't that magnetized, so it would be more towards the end of the movie. But you know what? You be the judge, and then I'll be the judge of that. So, All right. it's a twofer. All right, so, so you're not narrowing it at all. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Well, you know, I, you've given me a lot of slack tonight, so I'm going to ref- no, I, return. I've given you no slack. You you don't get any slack. You just punted okay, well, the I entire time. I docked a point from your score, if you remember. So yeah. I was pretty harsh with you, I believe. So you you don't get any slack. Yeah, I took a point off of your score. You that's still pretty that? good for me, though. That's, yeah, but that's, that's a total like dick move. I, I docked you a point. No, nah, but you know, it's a tough topic. I mean, we all we all failed tonight. It was a team loss. So that's why next week we're going to make up for it with this magnetism thing. Plan oh. magnetism, I call it. Well, if you're listening and you have any uh, picks for uh, magnetism in movies, um, I can't help when you say that. Kelly, when I can't help but think of Aaron Paul going, yeah, magnets, bitches, <laughs> Breaking Bad. That's just where I go. Yeah, that's I a TV show. Means, but right. I, love, I love that you said it. You didn't see that one, Dingus? Dingus I... did not watch Breaking Bad, yeah. This is another show where Tom said, oh, yeah, don't bother Dingus. Uh, yeah, I have to go watch the next episode. You yes. could also use, uh, if you wish, uh, since I'm the judge, as I said before, uh, electromagnets. Those are acceptable. All right. So just a normal horseshoe. So lots of things to pick. So listeners, if you have choices, yeah. Kelly Wan, let them know how they can uh, they can send those choices in. You can email them to the quarter to three staff center. At uh, 3x3 asterisk, wait, ampersand, no, at, hashtag, at, at quarter to three, all one word spelled out uh, with a period and then a dot period after that and then or com. All right, and next week we will be seeing Furious 7. Um which will probably open at a theater near you, I'm assuming. Uh, I don't know. Are you just talking to me, particularly? I don't, I don't know what kind of limited release it'll be to the listeners. Uh, Laminated. But uh, see Furious 7 and then join us for the podcast and join us afterwards for our discussion of, of magnetism in movies. Uh, I have Tom Ch- uh, Tom Chick. I've been joined by uh, Christian Malinsky. It's Christian Morosky. And we also had Kelly Wand with us this week. Or Gravity. La, 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 la. It's like Gollum in the ring. It's like a cute kind of thing.
See, all our thoughts, Dingus, those are like magnetic waves, like being, like casting, casting out from our bodies. Before we met, the only feelings I had left were wasteful and disdainful. <laughs> After I said that? 